uh, I know the young people have heard me say this before, but there's, you have to be transparent with your Lord. I know He can see all, but He wants to hear all sometimes. And the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon Him. And I've told the young people many times that there have been occasions where I've come into this church to pray. And uh, I've, I've screamed, I've hollered, I've, I've cried, I've wallered around in the floor, felt sorry for myself just to tell the Lord how I felt. But He would always meet me here. He, to be transparent with Him. He honors, he honors honesty. And transparency before Him. Amen. Give Sister Sharon another hand tonight. I believe the Lord has a word for us. And I believe what she shared can help us in our message tonight. If you would, turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 17. 2 Samuel chapter 17. I'm not going to tell you tonight that I'll be brief because I don't know if that's true. But I feel like the Lord really has a word for our church, for the body of Christ as a whole, and for our young people tonight. And I know there has been a lot of emphasis placed on our young people in the last few months, but that's because they are... Not only the church of tomorrow, but they are quickly becoming the church of today. And are the church of today. And, and God is using them. And this church has just rallied around them. And I thank you for that. Because they need you. Paul told Timothy, you need to get the elders with the young people. And teach them. And, and I appreciate that as a youth pastor of this house. But Second Samuel chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse 15. And you have to bear with me on some of these names. And don't laugh at me because you couldn't pronounce them either, okay? Alright. And then said Hoashi unto Zadok and to Abathar the priest, thus and thus did Athophel, counsel Absalom, and the elders of Israel. And thus and thus have I counseled. Now therefore send quickly and tell David, saying, Lodge not this night in the plains of the wilderness, but speedily or quickly pass over, lest the king be swallowed up and all the people that are with him. Now Jonathan and Ahimaaz stayed by or stayed by Enrogel for they might not have been to come for they might not be seen to come into the city and a wench or a maidservant went and told them and they went and told king David nevertheless a lad saw them and told Absalom but they went both of them away quickly and they came to a man's house in Bahurim, which had a well in his court. Whether they went down, or they went down into the well. And the woman took a spread, a covering over the well's mouth, and spread ground corn thereon, and the thing was not known. And when Absalom's servants came to the woman, to the house, they said, Where is Hamas? Or Amos and Jonathan. And the woman said unto them, They be gone over the brook of water, and they had sought, and they had sought and could not find them. And they returned to Jerusalem. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its anointing. God, we ask that you touch us as we bring forth your word. Lord, I ask that hearts would be open, that they would receive, and ears be open, that we would hear what the Word of the Lord has to say to us tonight. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgive me for my reading tonight, but just to quickly recap what we are in the middle of. We, we come into the middle of this story. What is going on is David is king of Israel, all of Israel, 
And his son Absalom has weaseled his way into the hearts of the people of Israel. And he's divided the kingdom. And David finds out about this plot to overthrow, to be overthrown by his son. And he vacates Jerusalem, fearing bloodshed in the city. And he's leaving, he's going into the wilderness and he's, he's come to the river Jordan, but he's stopped on this side of Jerusalem. And what is going on is there is an advisor that David, a friend loyal to David, that has stayed behind to counsel Absalom. And, and Absalom has no idea that he's confiding in someone that is loyal to his father. And, and this man goes to the priest and, and, and he tells them, Listen, we've got to get word to David that Absalom will destroy him, may destroy him tonight. He needs to go ahead and cross over so that he can be spared and the people with him. So we come into the middle of a conflict. We come into the middle of a power struggle between David and his son Absalom. And I want to tell you tonight that there is a severe, severe conflict going on in the spiritual realm in our nation. There is a, a, a great battle, a great war going on in the heavenlies as we speak right now, not just over your life and the purpose that God has for your life, but the purpose of this nation and the purpose of the world. And there's this great power struggle going on in the heavenlies between godly and the ungodly, between the righteous and the unrighteous, between principalities and powers of darkness and against the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords and his people. There is a battle. There is a conflict going on. And our nation, uh, not, not only spiritually, but politically and, and just, just talking with people seems so divided in, in the time that we're in. I, I know there was a debate last night and it was just a, a, an embarrassment if you ask me to our nation and there's just everyone so mad at each other. Everyone is just so angry with one another. And we see that there's this great conflict this great civil conflict that seems to be brewing in this nation and there's a greater conflict going on in the spiritual realm that we don't see. But what I want to tell you tonight is Jesus tells us that a house divided against itself cannot and will not stand. It cannot and will not stand. But what I want to preach to you tonight is how did we get to this place? How did we get to the place where there's such chaos and there's such disunity? How did we get to this place where America, almost 400 years ago, where they're, they're, they're about to celebrate it with prayer and with fasting. Pastor Carter Conlon and many others are about to meet in Plymouth, up in Massachusetts, to, to come together and pray because only Almost 400 years ago, in 1620, the, the first settlers came to this nation. And they, they came, the pilgrims came to this nation and dedicated this nation to God. But how have we fallen so far from the forefathers that fought the Revolutionary War to those that fought against uh, uh, slavery and those that fought in World War I and World War II and Vietnam? How have we come? How have we come ethically? How, how, how have we come? Come and fallen this far. How did David and Absalom get to this place? They were father and son. He was one flesh. He was of his father. They were blood. But yet his son, Absalom, hated his father, distrusted his father, and blatantly uh, was openly with his disdain of his father. How did we get to this place? The Bible, or, or, well, I, I want to give you a quote here really quickly from Charles Finney, a great revivalist of the Second Great Awakening. This is what he said of the church in America. He said, if immorality prevails in the land, then the fault is ours in a great degree. If there is a decay of conscience, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the public press lacks moral discrimination, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the church is degenerate and worldly, the pulpit is responsible for it. If the world loses interest in religion, the pulpit is responsible for it. If Satan rules in the halls of legislation, the pulpit 
is responsible for it. If our politics become so corrupt that the very foundations of our government are ready to fall away, the pulpit is responsible for it. Let us not ignore this fact, my dear brethren, but let us lay it to heart and be thoroughly awake to our responsibility in respect to the morals of this nation. So what he simply says is, so goes the platform of the churches in America, so goes the nation. What the platform determines is uh, uh, doable and accessible to the people of God. It becomes accessible to the people. If moral decay happens up here, it will happen in the people of God. Do you follow me tonight? And I want you to to recognize one, one phrase that he said here. And he said, let us not ignore this fact. Let us not ignore this fact. I don't know about you, but we see the immorality every day flash before us in the news. It doesn't take long. Our children see it every day on social media. You say, well, well, they follow good kids. It doesn't matter. They'll see it every day. They'll see the immorality. They'll see the pornography. They'll see the homosexuality. They'll see uh, transgenderism. They'll see uh, all these wicked and harmful things. It's just a fact of the world that we're living in, but what I want to tell you is the reason that we're here is because decades passed and decades passed with the church sitting silent saying, well, we'll just ignore it and it'll go away. We'll just be the church and the world will just be the world. We'll ignore it and we'll go away. We'll just, we'll just put it to the side and it will go away. The Bible tells us, and this is a principle that we learn from this story of David and Absalom because this story, we come in in the middle of a civil war of a conflict between a father and a son but it's much deeper than that it started chapters ago in 2 Samuel chapter 13 when, when, when David had a daughter named Tamar and his own son Amnon lusted after her and what I find so disturbing about this portion of scripture is not only the incest and it's the disgust and, and it's sin and, and, and the lustfulness of it but what, what is so disturbing about this fact, and I've, I've taught this to the young men before, is in the chapter, in chapter 12, what, what happens is David is defeating and he's getting these victories against the Ammonites. The Ammonites who came from Lot, they came from incest. They came from wickedness. They came from, from filthiness. And he, he's going around and he's touting. Him and Joab are touting these victories. He comes back home. And what he has denounced publicly is going on in his own home. And what has happened in the church is we've come out and we've said, well, I I don't agree with this and the Bible says this is sin. But in our private lives, uh, the body of Christ somewhere along the way in the church of America, we have indulged the very same things that we've condemned. The very same thing that David was swinging the sword and saying, oh, I got victory. Oh, these these people of incest, uh, these unclean and wicked people, we're going to do away with them. Uh, But in his own house, uh, in his own, within his own walls, uh, the very same thing was going on. Uh, The very same thing was going on. Amnon desired Tamar, his sister, and he raped her. And he he, he did such a terrible act to her. And Absalom, he he gets so aggravated, he gets so mad. And the Bible says that even David hears of this, uh, and he gets wroth. He gets angry. But the Bible does not say he did anything about it. He didn't con- confront Tamar. He didn't confront Amnon. He just said, oh, I'm mad about it. I'm disappointed. But I'm just going to let it go on. He got angry, but he didn't deal with the issue. You see, as Charles Finney said, we cannot ignore the issues that are going on in our day. I'm not talking about politics and being a political figure, but immorality is on the church. The morality of this nation rests upon the church. And there's a generation and there's a group and a remnant in the the church of America today that is beginning to rise up and they say, listen, we're sick and tired of the immorality on the television. We're sick and tired of our children being brainwashed at school day in and day out to say, well, this is acceptable. That's acceptable. This is upset. Everything's acceptable. 
these days. And the church has sat by for too long and allowed it. David said, oh, I'm mad about it. I'm upset about it. I can't believe that they did that. But he never confronted the issue. He never once confronted the issue. Time goes on. The Bible tells us that Absalom, he he just conceives this evil and wicked idea in his heart and in his mind. And he sets Amnon up and he murders him to avenge his sister Tamar. And you say, well, that's justice. No, he murdered him. Cold-blooded murder. And David, he, he cried, he wept, he wailed for his son. But not once did he confront Absalom about it. Not once. Absalom flees to Geshar. And he's sitting there for years and years. Until finally Joab sends a woman into King David. And says, you need to bring Absalom back. Your heart is sorrowful. You miss him. You, you love him. You need to bring him back. So David said, okay, you go get him. You go get him up in Geshar. And you bring him back to me. So they go up to Geshar. They bring him back. But David will not see him for two years. He said, I don't want to see your face. I don't want to deal with it. And the church has been the same way. You see, David, out of his lineage would come Jesus Christ, the father, the rock of the church. So David represents, and he's symbolic of the church in this scripture. And he was so passive. He just ignored it. He said, you know what? I'm going to bring him back home, but I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with it right now. I'm just going to ignore it and act like it never happened. I don't want to make anybody mad. I don't want to stir the pot. I want to be politically correct. I want likes on Twitter. I want friends on Facebook. I want followers on Instagram. So I'm just not going to say anything. I'm going to sit in my little bubble in the four walls of my church. And I'm just going to let anything and everything go on. And I'm just going to go in to my house. And I'm just going to let my children watch anything. I'm going to let my sons and my daughters just wear anything. I'm going to let them listen to anything. And I'm not trying to beat you up tonight. But I'm trying to get us to the realization that the reason our nation is is immoral and the reason our nation is in chaos and the reason our nation is decomposing at its roots is because the church has simply for decades ignored the immorality we haven't confronted the strongholds in our city we haven't confronted the strongholds in our congress we haven't confronted anything the bible tells us in first kings chapter 18 that the man of god he 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 finally comes and he says listen we're going up to Mount Carmel and God is going to answer by fire let the God that answers by fire be God what he did is he said listen I've been in the wilderness too long it's time for confrontation I've had enough of this I'm sick and tired of this and the church of the living God has to get to the place where they're so uncomfortable and so discontented with their sons and their daughters living in immorality and their cities in immorality that they'll say you know what I can't ignore this any longer I gotta, I, I have to confront this I have to show up I have to stand tall I have to speak in faith I have to speak in authority I have to bind in the name of Jesus I have to loose in the name of Jesus you see the, they're, they're, we're coming to a place where just church as usual is simply not going to do I love I love listen to these young people People have come to me and I believe God for greater I believe God for greater that was a good service uh, but there's more I believe God for greater I believe God for greater uh, it doesn't mean the enemy stopped working that doesn't mean that the enemy's not on the prowl but these young people are saying I don't care if I feel it or if I not I spoke to two young men this past week uh, just in the last few days uh, they say listen I, I haven't felt anything in weeks uh, I, I, I haven't felt the presence of God in weeks uh, I, I don't know what it it is and I said are you still reading are you still praying they said absolutely I'm still doing it I said you're doing work brother you're doing work you don't even realize that's when you're doing the most that's when you're climbing that's when you're digging that's when you're going forward because you're saying God it doesn't matter how I feel because you're the same yesterday today and forever it doesn't matter what's going on in my life I'm going to worship and honor you So David would just ignore the problem. He'd simply just blow it off. 
Even when Absalom came home, he had the opportunity to reprimand him. But also he had an opportunity to bring him in, pastor, and restore him. Help heal him. I remember growing up, my grandparents, everybody wanted to come to Mamo's house because she cooked for an army. I mean, you'd have chicken and dumplings. I mean, two big crock pots. I mean, full of chicken and dumplings. Everybody wanted to be at her house. She had this, just this gift of hospitality. She would do anything for anybody. And if someone came in that didn't even know Jesus, she treated them with such love and such care and, and such respect. And, and both, both sets of my grandparents, they just treated people like, like God would treat people. And they just loved on them. And, and even family members that had done them wrong uh, may have hurt them. They never treated them any different. Why? Because they believed not only did they need to confront the issues, that God would open a door for them to confront the issues, but they needed to heal and restore this person. But David, he, he just said, well, I'll ignore it and it'll go away. I'll just ignore it and it'll go away. I won't confront the issues and it'll just go away. I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. But what we see here is when you ignore a problem, it only gets worse. I, I, I'll tell on myself... Listen, I, I'm not a handyman at all. You can ask my pastor. I'm not a handyman. He's my handyman. I'm not a carpenter. I've got the crookedest eye. You could, I mean, I couldn't draw straight, even with a ruler. I mean, I, I just, I, 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 that's not my gift. My gift is to eat and to talk. It's my gift. All right, I can play with wires. I can make things light up. I can make things go boom. It's fun. Okay, I can do that. But carpentry and plumbing is just not my thing. But we had a plumbing issue in our house. My wife is about to amen big time. I put it off because I hate plumbing. Because that equals water. And water means that I'm going to get wet. And the floor's going to get wet. And then my wife's going to come downstairs and say, why is the floor wet? Okay? So bang, bang, bang. Bad, bad, bad. I put it off. Put it off. I put it off. And then my wife came to me, and I'm just thinking, you know, it, it'll get, it'll be fine. It's not that big of a deal. It's just a little leak. It's just a little leak. Until my wife stuck in my face the biggest water bill I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I was like, there's that many digits. I, I, I didn't know you could put that many digits on a water bill. I didn't know. But I, I just thought if I would ignore the problem, that it wasn't that big of a deal and it would just go away. Until it hurt my wallet. And then I was like, you know what? I'll go down to Gilman's. I'll get the $15 part that I don't know how to use. And I'll just figure it out. And it fixed the problem. But David, he, he just ignored it. The church in America for decades, it just ignored it. And they say, well, well, well I mean, you know, it's not the world's going to be the world. The world's going to be the world. What happened to the Great Commission? What happened to the Great Commission? Well, the world's just going to be the world. And, and you know, it's only going to get worse. Listen, I, I know. I know that this world's setting up for the Antichrist. But that doesn't mean that I still can't tear down some strongholds. That doesn't mean that I can't grab the person on my left and on my right and say, hey, I'm taking you to heaven with me. It, can't mean, it doesn't mean that I can't witness to the person I work with. It doesn't mean that I, it doesn't shut my mouth. Listen, we, we can't ignore the issues any longer. This generation is facing hell itself in the doctrines of hell itself they can't waste any more time saying well where's the power at where's the power at where's the Holy Ghost where's the presence of God God I don't know how to I'm surrounded with all this I don't know how to deal with it I'm just going to ignore it maybe it'll go away maybe, maybe the loneliness will go maybe the fearfulness will go maybe the weight will go maybe the burden will go whatever it is and they're just saying well my 
parents ignore it. Uh, I'll just ignore it. Uh, but no, there's a generation that's saying, I cannot ignore it any longer. I don't like the way I feel. I don't like the what I see. I'm going to stand up in authority and power, and I'm going to be the catalyst for change. David just ignored it, didn't think it would get any worse until it did. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that Jerusalem is the city of David. It's a sacred city. It's referred to often in Scripture as Mount Zion or just simply Zion which is the mountain on which most of the city of Jerusalem is built. But Mount Zion was a spiritual place. Jerusalem was a spiritual place. Why? Because it's where the presence of God dwelled. It's where, it's where the priests would go into the holies of holies and make atonement for the nation. It, it's where all the feasts were celebrated. It, 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 it was a holy, it was a sacred place. It was an important place to the people of God. It was a place that symbolized not only His presence, but His power and His authority, His majesty, His awesomeness, His glory. It meant all these things to the people of God. And what happens is, in, 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 in 2 Samuel 15, is at the beginning of that chapter you read that Absalom is standing by the gate of the palace and when people would have problems like we would go to a judge or try to go to a civil court or to a police officer or something like that they had to go to the king and Absalom was sitting at the gate saying the king won't hear you today the king will not pass judgment on your behalf today the king will not hear you he doesn't care about you The king has better things to do than to spend time worrying about your squabbles over your livestock. And he tells them, but if I were king, I would hear you out. I would listen to you. And in such a subtle and subductive way, the Bible literally says he began to win the hearts of the people. And a problem that David would not address, he just simply ignored. Now... It wasn't simply a problem. It was a dilemma. It was a big issue. It was a matter of life and death. What he wouldn't address would come to kill him. The issues that he wouldn't confront in his life and in his family came after him. And it all just started with Absalom sitting at the gate. Saying the king won't hear you today. But I would, I, if I was king, I would hear you. I would rule on your behalf. I would help you. And how long, how long has this world sat outside our schoolhouses, our church houses? How long has the enemy sat out there and took people out of the church, took people trying to come into the church and say, you know what, drugs would be a better option? Being sexually active would be a better option. I've got what you need. The king, the church don't have what you need. And David wouldn't do a thing. In church, we see the chaos that we see in this world because spiritually, the church of America for decades just simply wouldn't do a thing. Maybe it'll go away. Well, we just pray that Jesus will come back. And just rescue us from all this. Listen, I know Jesus is coming back. I know he's coming back for a glorious church. But I'll tell you, a church that's not soul winning is not a glorious church. A church that is ignoring the issues in their community is not, is not a glorious church. And Absalom stole their hearts. And he raised his hand. The word got to David. And he raised his hand against David. And David didn't even put up a fight. It wasn't even 
an option, Pastor. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 15 that, that he simply just said, we need to leave. He was going to give up his very throne. Wouldn't even fight for his own throne. Wouldn't even fight for the presence of God. He said, we're going to go. His men even came to him. You tell us what to do. We'll do it. He said, stand down. We're going home. We're going on. We're getting out of here. And what we've seen, in the, especially the last two decades, the last 20 years, is, is, is there has been in community after community, and I'm talking about the body of Christ here. I, I'm about to uplift you. I promise you this. But over the last 20 years, what we've seen is the church has simply vacated the power of the presence of God and said, let the world just do whatever they want. As long as we have our four and no more, we can have church. All because we refused to go on offense and settled with staying on defense. And we allowed the enemy to dictate things to us instead of us dictating things to the enemy. But don't you love God in a story like this? Because this is what I see unfolding. This is what God has spoke to me. Over the, last, over the last decades, yes, we've seen a decay in morality in this nation. We've seen a decay of, uh, of, of spirituality and relationship with God and all these things. We've seen a decay of all these things. In life. But there is a remnant of, of people that are starting to rise up and say, no, no, no. And what we don't even realize in the midst of all this chaos, God still has a will. He still has a plan. He still has something that is going to be accomplished through His church. He's still going to get His glorious and beautiful bride. He's still going to find the remnant that will stand up and say, I'll confront it. I may be uncomfortable. I may be out of my comfort zone. I may be out of my realm a little bit. But I'm willing to stand up for it. Willing to stand against it. We find that he's got a plan and it's in motion because we're, we're in a season where, where, where there is a, a group of people that think that they are literally telling the church what to do. There, there are worshipers getting arrested for worshiping in the streets. Happened in, in Idaho this past week. There are people of God that are being challenged just simply for believing in God, that are facing imprisonment for simply practicing their faith. And the enemy's sitting there and he's, he, he's trying to rise up in, in our country and he wants every political office, uh, whether it's local, whether it's uh, state, whether it's federal. He wants every political office. He has an agenda. He has a plan. He wants to absolutely remove the presence of God and the power of God out of the church. And... and, and and not in the recent years, we have literally handed that over to him, that authority. Well, you can have this, and you can have that, and you can have this, and you can have that. We've, we've ignored it, but, but what we don't realize is God has put a plan into motion. God has put a plan into motion. You say, well, what are you talking about? Because there's always, there's always somebody. In the Old Testament, there was always a prophet. There was a judge. There was somebody that was willing to deliver the people of God. There was a Gideon. There was a Moses. There was a Samson. There, were, there was somebody always willing. There was a Samuel willing to stand up for righteousness. What the enemy doesn't even know is that God's will 
trumps everything that he could ever plan or decide or, or, or devise. And what, what, what happens in this story with David and Absalom is this, there, there's this, this man that is left over. There's this, this leader that is left over, Hoshea. And he is, he, he's, he's, he's in the courts. He's giving advice to Absalom. And he, has, he does not have Absalom's best interest in mind. And he's, he's tricking him. And, and he, he's telling him, listen, because one man came to Absalom and said, you need to go after your father tonight. You need to put this to an end. You need to utterly destroy him. Give me 12,000 men. We're going to go and kill him tonight. Oh, but, 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 but this other advisor, this man that worked with David, he said, now, now you don't need to do that because remember, your father is really excellent at war. He, he's been a warrior most of his life. He knows what he's doing. You should take your time, assemble as many troops as you can, and then go after him. You need, you need to just, just think about about this and that's where we come to in this scripture uh, because the Bible tells us in the verse previous to where we read that it was appointed by God for him for Absalom not to take the advice of the advisor that wanted to destroy his father that night but to purposely God purposely intended for him to choose the wrong advice to take why because God said I have a plan there is still a church that is going to take back a authority. There's still a church that's going to ascend to Zion. They're going to take back the presence of God. They're going to sit on the throne. They're going to take the keys that I've given them and bind things on earth and bind them in heaven and loose things on earth and loose them in heaven. There is a church. There is a generation. There is a people that are assembling that the world has thought, especially in America, they have thought that they are down and out, that the church is dying off, that this young generation is leaving the church but God said no I'm shifting everything in this season this generation that you thought was leaving the church is now turning around and they're coming back to the church they're coming into the things of God they're desiring the things of God and he's saying there's a shift we're in a moment of and we're in a time where there's a message going forth from Mount Zion and it's going to the church which is representative David in this story and he's saying I'm about to assemble. I'm about to get ready for war. I'm about ready to go on offense. There's a church that's picking up the sword and they're saying, listen, it's the word of God or nothing. Give me liberty or give me death. Oh, I want the spirit of God. I want revival. I want restoration. There's a group of people saying we're aligning ourselves with the plan that God has. So we find here in this story this advisor goes to the priest, the men of God, says, we need to get word to David. We have to get word to David. We have to tell him. I don't know if the king, I don't know if Absalom's going to take my advice or not, so we have to be ready. He's got to tell the people of God to move. I said, okay, we have a plan. They sent a maid servant to these two young men, Jonathan. Nahamus, I said, you need to go to David. These two young men, they received a message from the priesthood, from the men of God. And these young people, over the last few weeks, last few months in this house, and in houses across this nation, they've been poured into by men and women of God, by their parents, by their pastors, by teachers, by prophets. They've been poured into day in and day out. They're excited. They're willing to take the message. They're willing to take the things that God's giving them. And they're being poured into by a generation of, of leaders, men and women of God that seek God, that love God, that, that, that dwell in His presence constantly. That's where these priests dwell. They lived in, in God's presence and in his temple. And, and they were intimate with God. And they said, listen, give this word to these two young men. Tell them to run. They've got to get to David. Or let me put it in terms. To, they've got to get to the church and tell them, we've got to move. As we get to our main text tonight, these men took off running. And listen, young people. I want to talk to you just as your youth pastor for a moment. You've taken off running towards the things of God. 
Many of you have just went full force, head first, into the things of God. And that's awesome. That's great. But the Bible says that when Jonathan and Nahamas, when they began to take off, that the enemy saw them. The adversity that you're feeling this week, the adversity that you've been feeling the last few weeks, is because the enemy has saw your desire to get to the king. He has saw your desire to be in the presence of an almighty God. And he sent ambushments against you. And Absalom's servants ran after them. Ran after them. And this is where I want to speak to you tonight. If they'll come to the music, I'm going to end after this. I've said all that to get to this place. Because you've run after the things of God. The enemy has run after you with everything that's in him. He desires. I love this. I love this portion of scripture. When Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, Listen, Satan desires to have you so he can sift you like wheat. He desires you. He desires to have you. The Bible tells us he's like a roaring lion. Walking to and throw about the earth. Seeing who he made of our and you've run full-fledged into the things of God. And the, enemy's, the enemy's attacked you. The enemy's bombarded you. He's come after you. And God said, he's, he's put a word in this generation. He's put a message in this generation. And this is where my title comes in tonight. I know I'm giving you my title late. But the message is in the well. You say, I, I know God's calling me to do something, young person. You say, I know God's calling me to do something. I know God's calling me to do something. I know there's a word on my life. There's a purpose for my life that, that God wants to use me in a special way. I don't feel like I'm there yet. I, I don't feel like I, I, I'm comfortable walking fully into what God's called me to do. I don't feel like I've, I've delivered uh, all the things that God has asked me to, to deliver. The Bible tells us that as Jonathan Nahamas, they ran. They said, listen, we've got to get into a hiding place. The enemy's all around us. We've got to get into a hiding place. And the Bible says that they found a courtyard. They jumped into the well. They jumped into the well. And a woman of the house laid a covering over the well. So the enemy could not find them. You say, well, well, back up for a second. How do you know these, these are young men? If you read in the chapters going on from this, you'll find out that Ahimaaz was a young man. That they referred to him as son. But where they stopped, the, the well, the place where they stopped at Berhem, Berhem, it means young men or youth in the Hebrew. It's about the youth. The Lord spoke to me and he said, the message is in your young people. The message is in your young people. The fight is for everybody. We're all going to fight. We're going to fight together. We're going to fight in unity. He said, but, but what mobilizes the people of God is when the young people get a message from the men and women of God being used of God. When they deliver that message, it's going, to, it's going to cause the body to move. But you say, Pastor, I, I ran after the things of God, but this week I have been hit harder. And I know many of you, have, you've talked to me. I, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that, I, that I, I'm, I'm speaking prophetically here. I, I, I know many of you have confided in me in this past week that you're, you're fighting. But the Lord wanted me to speak to you. Because you, you feel, excuse me, you feel as if you're going nowhere. You feel as if you're not gaining any ground. You're still praying. You're still reading. You come in and you worship. And you, you, you want to feel the presence of God. And, and you felt God this summer move upon your life in a way that He's never moved before. And, and it's like you're, you're chasing that. You continually want that. You want that. 
And even last week, we had some of these young people up here delivering the messages that God has been giving to them. Some of you young people say, I, I feel like I'm not going anywhere. The Lord spoke this to me for you tonight. He said, young person, you feel as if you're in a season where you have stalled. When the messages or when the messengers were in the well, they didn't seem to be moving forward or completing their mission. But God said, I have placed in you or I have placed you in the well and covered you so that a deepening and a depth can come in your spiritual life that you've never known before. It's not that you're not going anywhere. God's saying, I'm I'm making your root system a little deeper. I'm teaching you how to dig into the things of God. Even when you don't understand why you're not moving forward, He said, you're just in the well. He said, I'm adding depth to your relationship and your walk with me. You're just in the well. He said, you dig until you find water, which is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. And in due season, a refreshing is to take place. In due season, in not many days, the covering will come off of you. And you'll begin to run in the Spirit in a manner that you've never run before. And there will be a quickening to share the message of Zion. The message of God. There will be a quickening to share it to all those around you. And the enemy would love nothing more than to overcome your heart with fear. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. But of love and of power and of a sound mind. He said, you're in a season that you feel like you're not going anywhere. He said, listen what I say in my word. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. The message is in the well. The reverse to the curse, it's in the well. The answer to the problems, it's in the well. Young people, do you realize that God is going to use you in even greater ways than you could ever imagine to deliver words of encouragement and words that will move and align the church to go on offense for the first time in a long time. The Lord spoke to me. He said, tell your elders. He spoke this in my spirit. Tell your elders and your adults to prepare for the battle. Because in the next few weeks, the cover is coming off the well. And a generation that you thought you've seen move under the unction of the Holy Ghost is about to be used so powerfully that the messages they begin to teach and to preach will move the entire body of Christ into position to return to authority, to glory, to purity, and to power. This past Saturday, there was an event called The Return in our nation's capital, full of nothing but men and women of God praying and repenting for the wrongs of this nation. Simply what they were doing, Brother Steve, is they were confronting what had been ignored for years. It's called the return. The Bible tells us as we go into the next chapter in 2 Samuel chapter 18, That the word got to David and they crossed over. Church, we're crossing over to a land that may seem a little foreign to us. But God said in the next, the next season, you're not going to be comfortable. But you're going to be anointed. It's not going to be easy. But I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you strength. And David prepared his mighty men of valor. And he separated them in thousands and thousands. And he put Joab and his brother over them. And he said, we're going to fight. 
I'm done running. It's time to return. Young people, don't think that you're stalled out. Don't think that God's not speaking to you. You're just in the well. He's just covering you over. You say, but the enemy's all around me. The enemy's all around me. You stay in the word. You stay in prayer. He said, I'm bringing a depth. I'm bringing a depth to your walk with the Lord that you've never known before. Because the message I've placed on your life is going to move the body of Christ into alignment for war. There's a power. There's a power struggle going on in our nation. And it's time for the the church to take back the authority. They used to sing a song when I was growing up. I went to the enemy's camp. And I took back what he stole from me. And the choir say, I took back what he stole from me. And the leader of the song say, yes, I took back what he stole from me. Church, we've ignored the issues long enough. Young people, you wonder why it's been hard this week. I, I, I was sharing this with an adult in this house that I, I was sharing this with them on Monday. I said, the reason that the enemy is fighting these young people so much is because there was a group of you that stood up last Thursday in your school in front of, in front of hundreds of kids and declared the blood of Jesus over Connorsville High School. And I remember getting texts from multiple of you that day saying, man, I just, there's a glory here. There's a power here. There's something different in the atmosphere. Listen, hell may have seen you. The enemy may have seen you run after the things of God. But don't you stop standing. Don't you stop decreeing the word of God. Why? Don't you stop ignoring why? Because strongholds will fall. The Bible tells us that Absalom, there wasn't, no no one had to, to catch him or apprehend him. But he got caught up himself with his hair and the thickness of the trees. God said, The enemy, you're, you're spending all your time fighting. He said, Don't worry about the enemy. Don't worry about the enemy. He said, I'll take care of the battles. You just suit up for them. I'll take care of the battles. You suit up. You prepare. Because the revival that you're praying for, the revival that you're praying for, it could be days away. It could be tomorrow. Then when eight of you that that came last week and prayed, who knows, it might be 18. Who knows? A teacher might join you. Custodian might join you. Why? Because the message, the message, what God is birthing in your hearts and in your lives, it's changing everything. Stand with me tonight. I've taken way too much time. They carried a message from the very presence of God, from the ministers, the the priests of God. carried a message from Zion you know I wonder pastor if if David had just received the word from Jonathan and Nahamas when he wrote the third psalm because he was running from Absalom when he wrote the third psalm and this is what he writes in verse number four of chapter number 3 in Psalms I cried unto the Lord with my voice 
and he heard me out of his holy heel. What was he talking about? He was talking about Zion. He was talking about Zion. I wonder if that was the moment, Brother Warren, that those men showed up and said, we have a word from the priest. The men that have been in the holies of holies, the presence of God, we have a word from Zion. He said, this is what I've been praying for. Young people, you could, the message that God is placing on your life, it could be the answer to someone's prayer. You're not stalled. God has not forsaken you. He simply covered you and you're just in the well. He said, because this is a time I'm growing you. I'm preparing you. You're going to go further. You're going to go deeper. And you say, oh, well, new levels, new devils. I don't want that. He said, no, where there's new levels, there's going to be more power. There's going to be more strength. There's going to be, there's going to be more a, 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 a provision made for you. He said, I'm going to make a way. And adults, it's, all, it's on us to be ready to fight with them and to fight for them. So tonight, young people, adults in this house, listen, I had to fight some battles this weekend. Unexpected battles, small battles. But it really, it just, Brother Chris, it just made me mad. Made me mad. I was so upset. It hurt me. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to let a disagreement stop revival. I'm not going to let a distraction keep me from praying. Young people, you just got to realize when the attacks come, I've said it over the last few months, it's a validation of the call God on your life. The reason the enemy's attacking you is because hell knows who you are. And Paul said, I'm so weak, God. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. I can't do it. I have this thorn in my flesh. I can't do it. And God spoke to him and said, but my grace is sufficient for thee. And my strength is made perfect weakness. But this is what Paul would say. I would rather glory, and I'm just going to paraphrase for you. I'm going to speak in just plain English. I would rather glory in my problems because I know where there's problems, God's going to send His power to lift me up. Young people, you're just in the well. You're just in the well. And the cover's going to come off. And there's going to be a quickening in your spirit and you're going to run towards the things of God you thought you were running towards him you thought you were chasing him you thought he was giving you words he said you just wait until the cover comes off you're going to, be, you're going to bring deliverance to your school to your college campus to your workplace you are going to be the catalyst that begins to turn the city around so if you're here tonight, young people, adults, and you say, listen, Pastor, I say, I will, I will be honest with you. As Sister Sharon was saying, I, I'll take off the mask and I will be honest with you. This week's been rough. This weekend's been hard. Maybe it's the last few weeks. Maybe it's the last few months. And you say, I felt God a few months ago, but I haven't felt Him that way in a long time. And I, I'm just chasing. I just... I just want to feel his presence again. I came in Monday and I just, I, I simply said, Lord, I just miss you. I've I, I felt your presence. I felt you move. But me and the Lord have this thing where I just meditate on his word and he just speaks to me day in and day out on just one specific word. It's like, God, I just miss you. And that's where this message came from. Is when I was transparent with him and he said, okay. He desires me. If you're saying, I've just, it's been crazy, I want you to come. I know this world has gone to pot. I, I know it's, it's, just, it's just a mess. 
the old timers used to say, it's just going to Hades in a handbasket, it seems. But we can't ignore it any longer because we set the standard. We set the standard. So if you're here tonight, whether you want to come to this altar and pray, or whether you want to stand up here, I, I believe you need to take a step forward to let God know, hey, I'm, I'm taking off the mask. I'm being transparent with you. I need a touch. I know you're calling me. I just need a touch. I just need encouragement. That's you tonight. Come. You say it's been really hard. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Ron, just coming on to say thank you for joining us today. I do pray that we was a blessing to you. And I invite you to continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please do that. Uh, we would be appreciative of that. But just thank you for joining us today. I do pray that the blessings of the Lord would be upon you and yours. God bless you.